Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. I can remember probably some of the earliest conversations that Beck and I had, maybe even up to 18 years ago, when we were in Sydney, and we felt God say to, I felt God say to me and stir in my heart a passion and a love for this city. And we weren't married at the time, and I said to Beck, we're in Sydney, her family was there, I, I feel like we're going to move to Brisbane. And through that journey, all the ups and downs, God taking us on different ways, we are so grateful to be here at this time. You know, when we talk about the city and a picture of the city, sometimes cities can feel impersonal. Sometimes cities can feel inaccessible. When you walk into particularly those, some of those metro, those built-up environments, you can feel a little bit like the atmosphere and the tone changes. And sometimes when we go into areas that we're not familiar with, it can feel a bit like it's them and us. It's us and them when we meet different groups. But we know that cities are filled with people that need hope and we have the passion to share the good news of Jesus and help them in practical ways. And so I've got two questions that I think really will motivate us and help us see what God has got in front of us. And the first one is what if we saw people the way that Jesus sees people? When we're out and about, when we're dealing, when we're driving around, when we're interacting in our week, what if we really saw people the way that Jesus sees people? And what if we saw our city the way that Jesus sees our city? And when we do that, it's not us and them. And that changes everything. And one of the things that we need to understand is that every single person is made in the image of God. Every single person, you know, I know personally from my own experience, it's, it's easy to judge people. It's easy to see somebody, maybe who's doing it tough on the side of the street and make some assumptions about what led them there. It's easy to see someone who's really, who you think is really successful, driving a nice car, well-dressed and make assumptions about them. But each and every person is made in the image of God. And we believe that each and every person has a need for Jesus to do some things deep within. Sometimes we mask those in lots of different ways. But we know that each and every person needs Jesus. I want to share a significant date with you. It was the 15th of July, 2000. It was a Saturday, a Saturday night on the 15th of July, 2000. And that was the night that my beautiful wife first made her decision to follow Jesus. And she didn't grow up in a uh, Christian home. Lovely, lovely parents, very kind. But in her home, there was no mention of religion. There was no going to church. And so she literally had no idea about Jesus. She played tennis with a friend of mine uh, who was an incredibly good-looking guy and uh, she came to our youth group because he came and that's a good start. I thank God for that. And uh, 
so that's how she ended up in church. And on that day, she made a decision to follow Jesus. One of the things that I love about Beck's story is from that time, she was just all in. She was just like total life change. And she just really, really went after Jesus and following Jesus. Left some things from her past behind, left some lifestyles from the past behind, and followed Jesus. And so I remember the first time that I met Beck. It was in uh, Sydney, in a suburb called Campbelltown. Who knows anyone? Campbelltown? Okay, it's not the most amazing suburb. It's probably better now, maybe about 20 years ago. we met in the KFC car park. You probably don't want to go to the KFC car park alone after, after youth group at about 11.30, but that's what we did. And uh, not just her and me, okay. I don't want to get you the wrong, give you the wrong picture. So a group of us, and I remember seeing her, and she saw me. Um, she was smitten. She was just, yeah. She said, do you want to marry me? Move to Brisbane and have three wonderful kids. And I said, just, oh, whoa, hold up. Sounds pretty good, but anyway, let's talk... Let's talk later. Let's give it a week. No, she didn't say that. Um, she actually, our first conversation um, that I recall was she was there. I remember what she, she, what she was wearing. Uh, she was wearing a, a nice blue, uh, should I say sweater? Is that an American term? Does everyone what I know, know what I mean? Sweater? Sweater? A zip-up sweater? And blue jeans. That's what I remember. And... Uh, and she was there and uh, she was standing in front of this VW, like a little beetle. And I, this is what I remember, the first, first words. I said, hey, how are you going? Is that your car? And she said, yes, but I don't think that was her car. I think that was a, a bit of a miscommunication. But the rest is history, right? We've married almost 17 years. But Beck's life changed because she walked into a church And when she walked into that church, she felt something different. And the people that she walked into that church, they they were smiling. They were enjoying themselves. And she felt something different in the atmosphere. She said before that she's passionate about creating spaces where people can belong. And that's a really, really big part of our church. Because when you walk into something, there's and I'll talk about it a little bit in a minute, there's a spiritual sense as well of belonging. There's something that's different that God does by his spirit, which is belonging to Jesus and also belonging in community. And that's a massive part of our future to date. So our past to date and our future is creating spaces where people belong and reaching people that have no idea about Jesus. They have no history. They have no background knowledge. It's such a privilege to do that. And so there are so many groups of people in this city. There are people like Beck who have no idea. There are people, and we have uh, wonderful stories of, of some of them in our church in the journey so far who have lost hope and who have lost their way. They've started off well in a certain way, but over time, life has got the better of them and they begin to lost hope. We have a wonderful man in our church who's unable to be here today. He's a great member of our community. His name's Reggie, and if you come, you would would know him. He's an absolute legend. His life 
was in a bad spot. But if you met him now, he's got a beautiful smile. He lost his job in the middle of COVID, right in that lockdown. Uh, he works in a bank and they, there was a redundancy and he got a job over 2,000 other applicants with Macquarie Bank. And God has just been incredibly good to him. But when I first met Reggie, just randomly on a park bench in Ashgrove, um, I was there early for an appointment uh, with someone else. And I just saw this guy, it just looked like a normal guy, I just went and said hello to him. And uh, we just had a five-minute conversation. I got his mobile number and we had a coffee a week later. And when I began to share with him about Jesus, I have never seen in my whole life an impact, someone so visibly impacted by the hope of Jesus, that there was a hope and a future. Unfortunately, in his life circumstances, his marriage had separated. There were some financial implications for that, and he wasn't in a good place. But by the grace of God, that moment was a turning point for him to see renewal. See, it's people like Beck and it's people like Reggie, people who have no idea about Jesus, people who have lost hope and lost their way, that we exist for as a church. It's not us and them. It's us together because we see people not the way that others see them. We see and we value every person as being made in the image of God. There are other groups of people. There are groups of people who have excluded themselves from church community, who have said, hey, I don't fit in. I'm not good enough. Who have kind of said, oh, if only people knew like my story or my history or some of the mistakes that I've made, I, I don't belong here. And for those people, we want to tell them that that's not the truth. You do belong. Because of Jesus, because of the grace of Jesus, what we were singing, everybody makes mistakes and everybody is invited to belong, not because of our own goodness, but because of the grace of Jesus. That's just who he is. That's just what he does. He restores and he makes new. And finally, there's a, a, a last group. There are people who, like I said, who have no idea, people who have lost their way, lost hope, people who exclude themselves and people who are, have been excluded by others. There are people that have been hurt, people that feel disappointed and let down. Sometimes by churches, sometimes they feel that God has let them down. He hasn't answered their prayers. They've had uh, different things. Sometimes horrible things happen in their life and they're feeling like they have been excluded by others. And for those people, the message is the same. You are welcome. You are belong. You belong. It's not, you're not a different category of person. You're just a person that God loves and who is made in the image of God. So these are the people that God has called us to reach as a city. And we exist for the renewal of our city. Here's some of the things that we have seen and experienced so far in our journey. We've seen physical healings. My dad sitting here uh, currently has cancer and uh, is undergoing chemo, although you wouldn't know it. There's been no energy loss, uh, no side effects whatsoever. He was due to have kidney surgery. Uh, Groups of people in this room and and around uh, Australia began to pray, and he didn't need to have that kidney surgery. These are the things that we have seen and we will continue to see more of. We've had financial miracles in this church, like 
in such a small church, all this equipment and it's just, it's just amazing. We've got Jen uh, sitting. Where's Jen? Give us a wave, Jen. Jen uh, been praying for a car and God gave her the exact amount of money that she needed for a car. What a, what a blessing. What a miracle. We've seen families and marriages being strengthened and restored. We're seeing people uh, find Jesus and reconnect with Jesus. And we're seeing people who had thought that they were excluded from church family come back into community and not only just feel welcome and feel like they belong, but begin to thrive, begin to step out in their giftings and their callings. This is why we exist, to see renewal, this type of renewal in people's lives. So the first picture is the picture of the city. And the second picture is a picture of the family table. And this is the second image uh, to give you, to help you understand our church and our future. The family table is a place to belong. And at the family table, everyone contributes and everyone enjoys. Now, we use a couple of uh, things to contrast the family table. The family table is contrasted to fine dining. In fine dining, you've got customers and you've got staff. That's not our church. In drive through it's convenient and contactless. That's not our church. Our church is a place where you have a place at the table, where we contribute, but also we take time to sit and enjoy. And there's a really, really good reason for that, because I believe that when it's done well, the family table is a place that you can belong. And the type of church that we're building is a church that's good and not perfect. We're good and not perfect. I've never seen anyone thrive in a perfect environment. But I have seen people feel a sense of belonging when things are good. And when you do family, I know some stories from my own family, my daughter Miranda, who's almost 11, some of you have met. Um, Currently, she's going through a phase where she starts sentences with no offence. And when someone starts a sentence with no offence, you know that something is usually coming. So here's a couple of no offences. So the first no offence was uh, when I cooked a meal. No offence, Dad, but your dinners are boring. She's currently party planning. She's got a, a party with, um, uh, uh, she describes it as a COVID safe party with a COVID safe group of friends. So a small group and she's uh, quite involved in the planning process and she's got lots of ideas. Um, and if we added them together, it would be a very, very big budget. So we're kind of toning those back. But uh, Beck's saying, okay, well, we could have a meal and maybe I could just do something simple like chicken and salad. No offence, mum, but when people come to a party, they expect a bit of a nice meal. (laughs) But do you know what? That's part of being in family. You know that, that honesty that you can have when you're with a group of people, how you can be yourself and also other people can, can help shape you. There's something powerful about family and community. And when you belong and when you also give other people permission 
to speak into your life. My boy, uh, Joe, he has been playing, he's been doing skills training for soccer, but he's just started playing in his first matches. And he's got great skills. He plays, because he's, he's young, there's three games going on, a, on the same field, like normal soccer field, so they're lengthwise. And so Joe is very captivated by the ball in multiple other games. And so me as a dad, I am there and I'm like encouraging him, starting off gently and then getting louder and louder. And yesterday, which is second week, I said to the other parents, I just met them there, I said to the other parents, I said, look, I'm afraid I'm becoming that parent. (laughs) So I said, I give you guys permission if I'm becoming that parent to kind of go, hey, Andrew, just like, Maybe you should just be a bit quieter. Maybe you should stop swearing. No, that's not true. <laughs> they know I'm a pastor, so uh, that helps accountability. But you know what I mean? Like when you're in a group of people, when you're in a community, when you're in a place that you can belong, it's got a different feel about it. We can, over time, and this does take time, and this does take wisdom on everyone's part, but over time... You can have friendships that become family and you can begin to do life with people in a different way. And so we're seeing that at the beginning of it. But I want to tell you that it's really hard. It's much easier to come into a church and be like, hey, buddy, how are you? High five. See you next week. Grab a coffee. That's a bit more of a contactless church environment. But creating spaces, not all on Sunday, but where you can do life with people and where you can have some friends who become family, that is key to belonging. Real quick, I want to share um, part of a story that Jesus told from Matthew chapter 22. Now, this is an amazing story about the family table. It's also an epic story. So there was so much going on in this story. So this story is a story of invitation, rejection, betrayal, military force. And so I don't have time to preach a whole message on this, but I want to take out one aspect which I know is true. And this story in Matthew chapter 22 is about a family celebration. It's about a wedding. It's about a big wedding feast, a big banquet, this big picture of a family table. So let me give you the summary. There's a king, and the king invites a whole bunch of people to this wedding feast. And they reject the invitation for all kinds of different things. But then the story switches. Not only do they reject the invitation, they begin to turn on the messengers, and there is violent resistance to the invite. Now, there's a whole bunch of things that are going on with this story that I don't have time to talk about today, but I can talk about at another time. But I want to draw our attention to Matthew chapter 22, verse 8 and 10. And this is the king saying to his servants, after these invitations have been rejected of the people that he thought would come, that were invited initially, he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find 
good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. Now, this story, this passage of scripture, is our heart is that the people of this city, the people that don't know Jesus, of which there are hundreds and thousands of them, hundreds and thousands of them. That's why we need to work together as churches, not just as a church, no matter how good or big we are. There's hundreds and thousands of them. And our job is to go out to the people in the city and invite them into the family table. That's our job. It's to go out to the city and invite people and say, hey, we have created a space for you to belong and we want you to come and join us here. And so what we're saying, particularly today, for those that are here, it's our job. It's our calling. It's our mission, why we exist, to find people and invite them in. What they do with that invitation, that's up to them. What they do when they get here, that's up to them. People have choice, but our invitation, our job is to invite the people of this city into the family table. And I'll bet that there's some people that come that, uh, that will say, hey, I never thought I would be in church. There are some people that you're going to invite that are going to say, hey, I never thought, you're going to say, I never thought that person would say yes to my invite. But we just want to invite people and create this amazing space where people can belong. You know, it's only through Jesus that this is possible. The people that have no idea, the people that have lost hope, the people that have excluded themselves, the people that have felt excluded by others. It's only by Jesus and the power of Jesus that they can come and join together. This is how the Apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians 2, 16 to 22. Listen to this. It's, it's amazing. It says, Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. And I think this is a message for us. This is a message of belonging. It doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter your journey. If you think you've done life well to this moment, or if you've made some mistakes, you maybe have made some big mistakes. But this passage, this invitation, this description of church and community, such a powerful description is one, it's like, you're all in. We're all in. I don't consider myself better than anyone else in this room, but I consider myself valued by God. What about you? How do you consider yourself? Because this is true for us as community, but this is also true for us as individuals. 
Jesus invites us into this spiritual sense of belonging, which is belonging to him. It's belonging to Jesus. Would you say, hey, I've made a choice that I accept that invitation of belonging. I've kind of crossed the line. It doesn't matter if you uh, come to church or if you don't come to church. It doesn't matter if you've been uh, around church your whole life or like Beck had not had any experience with church. Do you have that sense of belonging to Jesus? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone belongs to Christ, there is a new creation. The old things have gone. Everything is made new. You know, sometimes we think, okay, I've got to get a bit of a run-up if I'm going to get close to Jesus. I've got to get a bit of a run-up. But this passage is actually saying the opposite. It's when you accept that invitation to belong, that's when the transformation starts. So we are creating a place where people belong. And we are inviting people into the family table. How do we grow? We grow when we extend the family table. There's one place that everyone can come in, that everyone can enjoy. Everyone gets a seat at the table. In a moment, I'm uh, going to pray. I'm going to pray for our church. Then I'm going to invite um, Pastor Gary Swenson from Australian Christian Churches, and he's going to pray for um, Beck and I and our family as well. And so uh, why don't you bow your heads as I pray for you? And do you know what? In this prayer, in your own way, you have a choice about your level of inclusion And I would love for you to take a step to say, Hey, Jesus, I don't know everything, but I want to belong. My life has had some ups and downs, but I accept your invitation. Let let me pray. Jesus, I'm so glad that through you, through your peace, every barrier, every obstacle, is removed. There are no insiders or outsiders. None of our past or history are good enough to please you. It's only by your work that we can belong. And so, God, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that we are saying, and I'm declaring as the leader of this church, this is a place that people belong. This is a place where your presence is. This is a place where people can be accepted into church family and also into the family of God. And we are declaring this together. And God, I pray for individuals who you're speaking to right now through the Holy Spirit. God is talking to some of you and he's calling you to belong. And he's saying, belong to me, take a step, say yes Accept me. God, we pray for those individuals in the name of Jesus. We thank you that through Jesus you have made a way for them. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for your invitation to belong. For every person, no matter history, good, bad or indifferent. But we thank you for your presence and power that's at work. 
removing guilt, removing shame, removing regret in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I'm going to invite uh, Pastor Gary up and also I'm going to invite um, our kids to come in as well get, and get prayed for. But um, yeah, thank you, Gary. Thank you, Andrew. It's, uh, let me just make a couple of comments before we pray. Firstly, thank you, Andrew, for the opportunity to be here. How good is this? A new church, I know today's not the first day, but this is the celebration of a new church. I reckon heaven rejoices over that. And um, let me just say, in, in the midst of a crazy world, in the midst of COVID and all that that means turning the world upside down, uh, a new church starting uh, is awesome. And I tell you, the church and the message of the gospel, which the church is all about, the message of Jesus Christ, it's a message of hope. And more than ever in the darkness of this world, and sadly, and I'm an optimist by nature, but sadly, we live in dark times. And there is a sense of loss of hope. I mean, we live in, in, I think, the greatest country in the world, in Australia. And yet the sense of darkness and loss of hope. And so what better than to celebrate the starting of a new church that brings hope to people. I walked in here this morning and my mind was taken back in a moment to some 44 years ago when my wife and I replanted, repioneered a church that was closing. And um, this is a bit bigger than where we started. And uh, we didn't have technology I remember in those earlier years when the height of technology a couple of years in was an overhead projector. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I walked in here this morning and my mind was taken back and you've mentioned about generations this morning, Andrew. I walked in here this morning and one of the first people I met was a guy called John Church who's sitting down there. John was one of a group of then young men, he's now an old guy, um, group of then young men who were in the Capera gang, and over a period of time, there was a whole group of them got saved, came to Christ, came to faith. And I can still remember they used to come around, five or six of these young guys, sit on our lounge room floor every Thursday night with their Bibles open. And, and now, you know, and I had the privilege to perform here in Teresa's wedding 40 years ago almost, and, and, uh, and now there's their kids, their grandkids, the impact of the gospel is generational. It's not just about today. And so, man, I'm inspired. God's here. I could preach, but I won't. I won't. But I do want to do one thing this morning. And I want to, I want to read a scripture this morning, some verses. I was saying to Andrew just before I asked him, would it be okay if I did this? I, this morning was praying uh, just about today and about the significance of this occasion and this scripture came to mind, and it wasn't a scripture, I'm familiar with this scripture, but I hadn't read it recently, I hadn't heard anybody talk about it recently, but it came to mind, and as I sat down and read it, I wanted to share it with you this morning. The, the context is, there's been people who've been seeking God's people, have been seeking Him, and, but God's, and they have a genuine heart for Him. God's saying, listen, you've missed some of the, the basics. You've missed some of the important stuff, which is all about how you treat people. And you can go through all the religious stuff, and that's cool. And, you know, and he talks about, uses the word fast, and it's not just about fasting. 
And so God says, this is how I want you to do it. And, and let me read these verses from Isaiah 58, verse 6 says, Is not this the fast I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens? Man, and more than ever, people are carrying heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. You've talked about that this morning. Um, when you see the naked, that you cover him. And you hide, not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your, your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. And if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness, and I was thinking about the culture in which we live. Talk about the pointing of the finger. Talk about speaking wickedness. We live in a culture which is becoming increasingly unkind, which is becoming, you only got to look at media and social media. Talk about pointing the finger. And, and that's not the spirit of Christ. And as we take that away, as people come into this family and this church and, and we operate and live out of a different culture and counterculturally almost, as we do that, as we put that stuff away, if you extend your soul to the hungry, and I know that's your heart, and satisfy the afflicted, satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. I love that. And your darkness shall be as the noonday, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought, strengthen your bones, and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the restorer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. I just felt this morning, there's so much of that that ties in with, with even your values. And I've read the values and I love the way you've articulated that for your church. And um, I thought so much of that passage as I read it this morning is encapsulated in those values. So this morning, um, I'm going to pray. Let's make sure I don't pull anything over here. That's cool. So this is Miranda, which is Joe. Hey, Joe, and who's this? Ben. Ben. Hey, Ben. How you doing? What I want us to do, we're going to pray for these guys. And whether, you know, some of you here, like me, are visitors this morning, uh, and you've come to support these guys today and support the church, and some of you are a part of this family already. Um, but whatever your place today, I want to encourage you, and, and if, you, if you love God this morning, you know him, why don't you just, in these few moments, reach your hand towards these guys. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand. <clears throat> this is a moment in eternity. Seriously, this is not just, yeah, we're just doing church. No, this, this is a very significant moment. And so we're going to pray for Andrew and Beck and for their family this morning that God's hand will be upon them. Uh, Beck, just before I pray, I uh, felt this morning, it was quite funny, just um, as you got up and we just shared very briefly this morning, um, I just sensed, uh, it was a funny thing. Andrew told the story about in the car park and he saw you and 
and across a crowded car park and, you know, something lit up. There was something about you that lit up in him. And you're going to do that to many people in a different way, obviously. (laughs) But there's going to be something, there's something in you that's going to light up something in people. And it's going to draw people. And it's going to bring people. And, um, yeah, and you are, you're going to create that space for people to belong. So, yeah. Let's pray. Why don't you put your hand towards these guys this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for Andrew and Rebecca, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for Miranda and for Joe and Ben. And, Lord, I pray your hand to be upon this family today. Lord, this is not just a just any moment. This is a very significant moment. And, God, today we set them apart Lord, as you have called them to start this church and to give leadership to this church. And so, God, I pray your great blessing upon them today. Lord, I pray that you would to, Lord, to Andrew and Beck, you would give great wisdom and revelation, that you continue to lead and give them strategy. And Lord, as they deal with the many issues of leading a church, God, your grace would be upon them. I pray supernatural strength. Lord, I pray your anointing upon them today. I pray, I pray, Lord, for their children. And Lord, thank you for each of these, these kids, Lord. I pray upon Miranda, upon Joe, upon Ben. I pray, Lord, your blessing. Lord, let them grow up and flourish in this house, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray your hand to be upon them today for good. Amen. Amen. Andrew, don't be afraid to think out of the box. You already, you do think out of the box. And I just feel, don't be to say to you, don't be afraid to continue to think out of the box, reinvent the construct of church. I know just from the converse, few conversations we've had over some years, and these guys haven't just done this out of, oh, why don't we start a church? I know there's been, otherwise I'd say you're insane. Um, this, this is a result of a God call. Otherwise you're nuts. You know, you, you're just crazy to start a church. And if you're not, you'll go crazy. Um, but this is a result of a, a God-birthed call to do this. So, and, and I know your willingness and desire to think outside of the box in terms of the construct of church. And don't be afraid to keep reinventing and rethinking outside of the box. We live in a different world. The mission never changes, but how we perform it and how we outwork it in, in a new culture in a post-COVID culture where the world will be radically different to what we've ever known before. And I want to encourage you, keep thinking creatively, keep thinking innovatively, keep thinking out of the box. And, uh, and I look forward to hearing great reports and uh, continue to hear good stories. So God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.